0: Hello and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast, a series of healthy conversations with influential hustlers. I'm your host, Madeline Carafa. After several years of climbing the never-ending corporate ladder, I waved goodbye to a job title and salary I once thought defined my success and embarked on a life full of good health, wholesome conversations, nourishing relationships, and a career that fueled my soul. Through storytelling, these healthy conversations are designed to give you the boost of healthy enthusiasm you need to fuel your health and well-being goals and inspire you to live a happier, healthier life. Today's guest was, in my eyes, the leading charge in the female entrepreneurial space. She paved the path to success, showing the highs and lows while empowering other females to think big, be bold and chase their dreams. I'm thrilled to be joined by Samantha Wills who at just 21 years of age founded her self-titled jewellery company. Like many great success stories it was humble beginnings for Samantha who started making jewellery from her kitchen table and selling them at Bondi markets before she made her first big break at the Australian Fashion Week in 2004. Making her first million at 26, Samantha was quickly thrown into the spotlight with the world watching on as her jewelry was worn and adored by some of the biggest names in the world, including Rihanna, Taylor Swift and Pink. Today, she's the author of Two Golden Dust, a book that documents why in 2019 she suddenly decided to close her multi-million dollar global business, as well as providing readers with raw and honest insights into her private life and journey thus far. Samantha Wills is now a household name. The iconic jewellery brand that took the world by storm will be remembered for generations to come. And as you will hear throughout this nourishing chat, Samantha's lessons, experiences, and insights will continue to shape and influence entrepreneurs for years to come. We chat about creative burnout, imposter syndrome, and how listening to your intuition is one of your strongest superpowers. Here's Samantha. This episode of The Healthy Hustlers is proudly brought to you by Pure Harvest's new range of delicious nut milks. Available in three dairy free flavours nut bliss, lush almond, and creamy cashew, you'll never have to worry about having ordinary milk again. Pure Harvest's new range of no ordinary milks are available at leading independent supermarkets and health food stores Australia wide. Hello, Samantha. Welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, thank you for joining me. I am so excited to chat to you. I've followed your journey for years and years now. I actually remember buying your jewelry when I was like, I think you'd like just first launch. And I remember getting it for one of my birthdays. So it's very surreal having you here on the show now. So thank you. Thank you for your longtime support. That is very lovely. No, of course. Now, I'd like to start the conversation by finding out if you have a ritual or a self-care practice or maybe a non-negotiable that really helps you to set the tone for your day each day.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd like to say that I have something very holistic, but I I don't. Sometimes my days are so busy. Other times they're really quiet. So there's no like balance to my days. Um, but I do... I think trying to wake up at the same time every day gets me in in a routine that, you know, and I I do try as soon as I, not even open my eyes, but as soon as I come into consciousness in bed, I just like take a moment in that time. It's not a meditation or anything, you know, formal like that, but it's just an awareness of like, almost like a thank you for the sleep is almost what I say in my mind, which sounds a bit bit weird, but I'm like, okay, thank you. Let's, you know, let's start this new day. And it's it's just like um, a moment of consciousness, I think. I think it's
0: so beautiful to start the day in more of that conscious state instead of letting the
1: morning take control of you almost. So that's really beautiful. And I think, you know, we're so busy these days. We're so quick to get up and and jump and do things, you know, and also I think with a a mindfulness practice, we're like, well, I don't have a spare hour in the morning to sit there and do it. But I'm like, it doesn't have to be that long. It can be a moment of just instant mindfulness. So yeah, that's that's my capacity at the moment, I think. Yeah.
0: I love that. I love that you're working to your capacity as well. I think that's so important. It's a sliding so scale. Well yeah, definitely. And um, do you have a healthy habit, you know, that you've been using recently, I, I guess, especially at the moment when you're in the midst of your your book tour and launch mm-hmm. um, that you are really
1: committing to that's helping to keep your hustle nice and healthy? Do you know what I would say to that? And it's something I, like, it's a life's work. I think I'm continually trying to work on, but it's to listen to my intuition more because I think, you know, when I, I, I don't handle stress well at all. I'm, I'm the first to kind of spiral. So, um, really trying to take those moments and listen to my body because I think for so long, you know, and I've spoken about, uh, publicly about my journey with endometriosis before, where I just kind of tried to silence my body for so long. So now I'm like acutely trying to listen to what she needs. So, you know, if I I see um, signs of stress coming on or, um, you know, if I'm tired, I really have to prioritize that. So that's kind of the ritual at the moment is just a better communication with my own body. Do you have kind
0: of any tips or advice on starting that journey that you could give to listeners? Because I know it's something, you know, we do hear a lot about, like listen to your body, but it does take a lot of work to really
1: be able to get in tune with that. It really does. And like I said, I, I truly think it's a life work that we have to continually, you know, it's not just like it happens overnight or, and everyone's language is different. I think what I would say is that, you know, you go back to basics. You're like, your body talks to you. She tells you when she's hungry and she tells you when she's tired. She tells you when you're getting run down because you get the flu or, you know, whatever you know, listening to what your language is and starting to even make notes of that. That could be like, when you get goosebumps, is it when someone lies to you? Or is it when you, you know, are unsure when you get tingles? Like what, what is that? And trying to, you know, these really basic kind of physical signs that our body gives us, it's kind of then relating them to the experience they're coming from and seeing what, what your body's trying to tell you, because, I think the word intuition is one that we've known since we were a child, right? Like we've known what the, what the concept means, but the power, the true power of it, and this the language behind it is a is a whole language that we we can easily be fluent in, but it's um it's one that does take you know a lot of work and a lot of patience.
0: It's so true, and you know, like you said at the start, it, it is a lifetime work. You know, it's it's it an ongoing commitment that you need to, and especially in times of you know, craziness or business when we are kind of at our peak is
1: almost when it's the most important, but sometimes the hardest. Definitely. And I think it's almost, and it's also too like learning to trust that. Like you're kind of like, oh, is that right? Should I follow that? And I don't know why we're so hesitant to trust That intuition and instinct because it's it's never ever done me wrong. But when I have made decisions against it, I'm like, I knew that. Why did I do you know X Y Z? So learning to listen to how it's communicating, but also then learning to trust it. And yeah, it's it's a big job.
0: Yeah, it absolutely (laughs) is. So I guess, like most people listening to this podcast and everyone that comes on the podcast, I'm also obsessed with self development. So I'd love to know if you have a book that I guess you've read or listened to that's really helped positively change your mindset?
1: I mean, I have a thousand of them. I think the ones that I think had the biggest impact or the ones that I've kind of revisited a few times because, you know, when you read something, you're like, wow, that was amazing. Then you read it and and a year from then you like, you take a whole different thing out of it. So The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer is one that blew my mind incredibly so More recently, like Untamed by Glennon Doyle, of course, is incredible. Any work by Michael Singer, I I recommend wholeheartedly. Um, An example I give... On self-development books and even though it's probably not class in that category but I was given the alchemist as a gift um oh. a few years ago and I was, I was trying to read it and I just I just couldn't get into it so I put it on my bedside table the following year my friend was like oh my gosh I've been meaning to give you this book for a while for Christmas she gives, gives me a copy of the alchemist and I'm like oh okay thank you and I didn't, you know I didn't want to tell her I had it so I popped that on the other pile. So I've got two now and then um I was at a meditation retreat Thing that I was um, doing, and the workshop we were doing, there was two books that the teacher bought, two books piles in the center circle, and at the end there was like fifteen students in the class. She goes, you know, we're just going to go around and everyone talk about kind of what you got out of the workshop, and then go and pick a book in the middle, and it was um, the Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell and The Alchemist. And then she started the circle to my right, so I was going to be the last person to go. And I was like, please, just everyone take The Alchemist. Like, I don't need a third coffee. <laughs> and then, you know, it got to me and I, you know, I said, <clears throat> what I got out of it. And, of course, the only book left was The Alchemist. So I was like, all right, I've got it. I'm going to have to read this book. And um, I started reading it and it, it was at a time in my life where I was, you know, finally ready to read it. And it really, even the the. The symbolism of getting it three times, I'm like, that's the universe just kind of like nudging, nudging. It's like, all oh, right, I'm going to keep putting it in your lap till you read it, kind of thing. And there's a beautiful quote in that book where he says, you know, if something happens once, it only happens one time, but if it happens two times, it will happen a third. And I was like, it's, you know, because I don't believe in coincidences. I'm like, things happen, yep. you know, in synchronicity. So I was like, got it. Third book, better read it. <laughs> That is
0: such a cool story. And I love when the universe just like gently reminds you of things, you know, they just keep putting it there, putting it there for you and you pick it up when you're ready. And it's like, you know, it can completely shift your mindset or, or give you a whole new fresh perspective on something. So that's an awesome story. Absolutely. Um, I love Untamed though. That was just like, wow. And it was funny when you're saying at the start, you, you know, you have some books that you read once or twice. Mm-hmm. Or I'm actually reading that for a second time at the moment right. because I read it and I loved it, but I was like, I know that I'm going to get more out of this in it, like in 12 months'
1: time or something. And so, yeah, I've just started it again So, and it, I am. I'm taking so much from it. It's brilliant and I think there's so much in it. Like you almost do have to read it three or four times to absorb all of it. And what I also love about that book is how it's not a connected chapter to chapter. It's every yes. chapter in itself so you can just open it up and and read and it's it stands alone.
0: And definitely, and there's kind of something for everyone in that, you know, you, not, you might not necessarily relate to every single thing she's talking about, but like out of the whole book, you will take so much. Absolutely. It. Overall, yeah Yes. So um, now I would like to dive into your career path a little bit because I hope it's okay to say this, but you really rose to entrepreneurial fame. Um, you know, when you did launch your jewelry brand, I remember, you know, Samantha Wills was everywhere and I'd see you on billboards and in magazines <laughs> and, you know, you were really leading the charge in in that space at such a kind of pivotal time. For the listeners, can you give them a little snapshot into that period of your life and I guess the chaos
1: that, that surrounded it and the, yeah. and the feelings and emotions? Well, I think that um, when you start out as, you know, in my case, a jewelry designer, and, you know, I started in to, around 2004, and at the time, you know, The internet was a place that housed branded websites. There wasn't, you know, social media and all these things. So I think when I was starting out, you're not starting out to seek a profile. Like if you go, if you want to become an actress, for example, you're like, all right, well, I know that comes with a level of profile and interviews and all those things. So when I started out, it just, um, I think there was a level of interest in what I was doing. One, because I was so young, I was 21 when I started. And, you know, we started to get a lot of celebrity placement at the time. And, you know, that obviously attracts attention at, at that time and it just kind of started to build and build and build and we'd get all this you know media attention and it's interesting you said that I was paving the way because I didn't feel that way at all like I often and still to this day live alongside imposter syndrome where I'm like you have absolutely no idea what you're doing so it's it's really interesting that it was perceived that way but yeah it's it was a very surreal trajectory I think and you know you kind of I think the entrepreneurial spirit is built on you know chasing that next thing so it's like oh once you know if if someone was to ask me what success was back then I'll be like oh well, we'll be successful when we get product on a celebrity or we'll be successful when we get a placement in this magazine and you kind of get it and then you're like all right well, what's the next thing now and you're never kind of sitting in that in that space for too long which is you know very much around the entrepreneurial drive but it's also a, a bit of a hamster wheel because you're kind of just continually chasing that next thing. So yeah, it was, it, it was a very surreal journey to say the least. Talking about that
0: hamster wheel and, and always striving for the next thing, did you have a bit of a pivotal moment or was there an experience that kind of made you take a step back and just
1: think like,
0: I can't do this forever? Or what was that process like for you?
1: I mean, definitely I threw out, I think as a creative person, you have to take a step back when you have creative, creative blocks. So you're like, all right, well, this, you know, it just makes you stop because literally you're like, I designed 12,000 pieces of jewelry in that time. So, you know, you'd kind of be forced to stop along the way. In the book, I talk about a lot of, well, not a lot of, but significant relationships that um, broke down. And in that way, they, they literally had me on the floor in, you know, the fetal position. So that's another way of of a break. Um, I talk about health towards the end of the book and that's another way of the universe kind of being like, Hey, you got to stop, need your attention. You know, you need to kind of pivot, you know, and I often get asked, what's the piece of advice you give to women in business to avoid burnout. And my response is probably not, um, a, well, it, well, I'll say it and then I'll, I'll give context to it. But I said, the best thing to prevent burnout is to burn out because, you know, you can say to someone, you're working too much, you know, you've got to slow down, stop and smell the roses. But as an entrepreneur, you don't, if you're in a task, like you're a thousand percent in. And so I think the times in my life where I've hit the floor and burnt out have been the times that have stopped me. But if I hadn't have burnt out, like I couldn't have done it on someone else's recommendation to stop and slow yeah. down. It You have to experience that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's some great context around that. I guess, today, right now, in this in this present moment when we're sitting on this podcast, mm-hmm. what do you stand for? What Who is Samantha Wills today?
1: It's a great question. And I think, you know, when you ever so modestly have named a brand after yourself and, you know, there's a lot of times through that journey where I'm like, all right, well, Samantha Wills, organically, the brand got that name. So that's, what, you know, that's now a commercial entity. I then became SW just to separate the two. And I think when I decided to close the business, it was kind of like an identity crisis, to be truthful, because I'm like, well, do, do I become Samantha Wills then? Can, can I have that name back after it's it's been that? What Who is Samantha Wills if she doesn't have jewelry designer after the title? Because it's all I've known my adult life. So even though, you know, the jewelry brand's been closed for two years now, but it's definitely been a process of discovering. And, you know, I don't know the answer to that entirely. I think it's um, being able to write the book and reflect on that journey has been such a gift to me to, to kind of go back and spend time with myself along that path when at the time I wasn't, you know, I was just moving on to the next thing. So I think now it's, um, I guess my title now is Smat the World's writer and creative director, which is very surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's still a process and, um, yeah, I always knew I wanted to keep the Smat the World's name. So I, I wanted to retain that and yeah, we're still moving into that next phase from those experiences of building the
0: brand and now writing the book in particular and having all of that time to reflect on the journey and, and yourself and what you've learned, have your values changed at all? Or?
1: Um, no, I don't. my values throughout have been pretty locked in, I think. I think values were such a big thing for me with the brand um, and what the brand stood for. But when you're a creative founder, they're intrinsic with your personal values. So, no that they haven't changed i think definitely now there's a much bigger focus for me on vulnerability and and sharing those stories and i think i really started to open up to that in maybe 2016 when i launched the Samantha the worlds foundation and i saw you know i launched that just as a a side platform to the jewelry and it was just the traffic i got you know in the first 4 weeks of launch was what i thought we would get in the first year it was just meant to be this quiet kind of side platform and that that's when I really started to see the, the power and the need for vulnerable storytelling in the entrepreneurial journey. So I think that to me, I'm not even sure if vulnerability is a value, but it's a, it's a value oh, to yeah. me. It is. So, yeah, yeah a, absolutely. So that's, that's definitely a, a much bigger value to me um, than when I very first started.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I guess, you know, you did touch on imposter syndrome earlier, but how did you in those earlier days deal with that feeling? Like, do you have any kind of tactics for, for approaching it? Because I know it's, you know, it's something that we all feel what somehow, somewhat. Yeah. Absolutely. Throughout life.
1: Absolutely. And for so long, I, so in the book, I actually personify imposter syndrome. It gets its own character because it's, it plays that bigger part in in my life. And for so long, I would try and beat it and just be like, I need to harness this and get it out of my life. And, you know, anything that big that you're trying to tackle obviously takes a level of exertion and, and energy. And I came to the realization it took me a very long time to get to this point, but I'm like, I don't think it ever goes away. And I was exerting so much energy to, to try and be rid of it. It was just exhausting and kind of getting nowhere. So I kind of came to the conclusion to instead of, you know, trying to get rid of it, how do I learn to live alongside it? How do I acknowledge that it's there, but be like, you know, give me give me 10 minutes while I do this talk or give me give me time and give me these breaks to be able to get the work done? that usually would have been crippled by it, if that makes sense. So yeah, trying yeah, to, to live alongside it. Um, other things around that, that I do is, you know, interrupt the conversation in the, that instance, you wouldn't have that conversation in real life. If someone spoke to you in the way that imposter syndrome does, you'd just be like, I'm not standing for this and, and walk away. So treating it as a real life conversation and then reversing the roles. Like if, if you heard someone speaking to your best friend, the way that imposter syndrome speaks to you, you would you would not stand for it, you put a hard stop to it. So just trying to almost separate fact from fiction, you know, because I think we get into these spirals and very quickly we get into this narrative that, you know, what imposter syndrome continues to tell us, we take it on as our truth. So I'm like separate the fact from the fiction and, and stand back a little bit.
0: We'll be right back after this healthy break. Are you looking for a healthy non-dairy milk alternative that's made the right way? then look no further than Pure Harvest. I stopped using ordinary milks many years ago and started using the delicious nut milks from Pure Harvest for my coffees, smoothies, and soups. Since day one, I've chosen Pure Harvest as they are free from preservatives and added sugars and only contain the best and cleanest ingredients. Well, now I'm so excited to let you know that Pure Harvest have extended their range of non-dairy milk with the launch of No Ordinary Milk, which contain three new non-dairy flavours, Nut Bliss, Lush Almond and Creamy Cashew. You'll never have to worry about having ordinary milk again. With no added sugars, preservatives or flavours, Pure Harvest Range of No Ordinary Milks use whole organic ingredients to make beverages that taste great and most importantly, make you feel good. Pure Harvest new range of NOM nut milks are now available at selected leading independent supermarkets and health food stores Australia-wide. Now I know in your new book that we've been chatting about of dust and gold, you go into self-doubt a lot as well. Do you have any now today in your work or, or when you were writing the book, do you still have those moments of self-doubt and I guess how do you kind of really combat them and go back at them with a full force?
1: Every single day, like I wrote a a piece on imposter syndrome for a a big women's magazine which comes out soon and as I was writing the piece on imposter syndrome, my imposter syndrome was like, what do you know about imposter syndrome? (laughs) I'm like, a lot actually. (laughs) So yes, I you know I it, my entire career I'm like you're not a real designer you don't have a design degree now I'm like you're not a real writer you, you don't have a writing <laughs> degree so it's a it's a cycle you know it's vicious. It is.
0: <laughs> oh don't worry I feel that every day with a podcast I'm like I, like I do not even getting on this and I'm like oh if there's a tech issue I'm screwed because I know nothing I,
1: about technology. But you, so the so. thing is no it's one like, knows anything about anything but everyone's just getting by and truly. <laughs> everyone's so worried about themselves no one's wor- no, we all think oh you know what are they going to think they, they're going to think I'm not a real podcaster I'm like I think you're a brilliant podcaster like I'm, just, I'm worried that you don't think I'm a writer so we're all so self-absorbed <laughs>
0: It's so, so true and I guess, you know, exactly what I said to you at the start of the um, episode where, you know, you really paved the way and like I truly mean that, like hand on my heart. I remember just watching you slay, reading you in Collective Magazine and just like being so in awe of your journey and to think that you were feeling all of those feelings during that and having that much self-doubt honestly just blows my mind, like it yeah. just blows my mind because, you know, you were just the epitome of success in, in my eyes and I know so many people's eyes. So, you. you know, I know even your book has had, I think it was like over 900 pre-sales in like the first eight hours or something, which just shows your impact and the success that, oh, you know, that you, you have had.
1: Thank you. Well, I and think that is so truly so kind. And, you know, I hope out of anything that, I, that you know, I, I can truly, when you even call out like collective magazine, I remember that shoot. And I remember, you know, doing that interview being like, I don't deserve, like, I, what do I even know about this kind of thing? So to even pinpoint those, you know, your thought process on it. And then me on the other end of it, I'm like, it's a hologram, right? So you read, you know, these things in magazines or you see it on um, Instagram, but I'm like, everyone's living alongside imposter syndrome in in a way.
0: So yeah. 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 And I think that that's why, you know, these conversations are so important because, you know, it does make people aware that like where everyone is uncomfortable in what they're doing. You know, no one has it all figured out. It's not like they've waited for the perfect time. It's just like, you've almost embraced that fear and gone after your dreams and just hope the rest will work out, you know, I the way know. it's meant to.
1: And I'm like, where did this come from? I've, I've actually done a lot of study around imposter syndrome. And when it was first diagnosed, I'm going to say it was called imposter phenomenon. And I was like, yeah, that sounds oh. about right. And I'm like, but where, where did we all pick it up from? It's, it's, yeah. I, I hope the next generation, um, you know, I see my nieces and she's just like, I'm amazing. I'm fabulous. I'm like, yeah, you are. Like, <laughs> I hope that they take that through without the need for, you know, whether it's modesty that then turns into self-doubt or I don't I don't know mm. what that connection is, but I, I do hope that my niece's generation just like rock on without that doubt.
0: Oh, absolutely. So do I. And yeah, it's an interesting one. I think about it a lot. I've got an 18-month-old daughter and, you know, trying to, understand or, you know, find ways how I'm going to continue to instill that confidence in her, right. that she is so wildly capable. Absolutely. I'm like, you know, I'm obsessed with it at the moment of reading books and, you know, finding all of these ways. And I'm like you, I just, I really, I don't know where we picked it up. Like, I don't know why we all live in such fear of like, we're not good enough for where we are, but yeah, it's definitely an interesting topic.
1: Yeah, definitely. I read something the other day. Um, They said, you know, when you're little, and people are like, oh, I'm so proud of you. Whereas maybe what we should be saying is, are you proud of yourself? You should be so proud of yourself. Are you proud of yourself? And rather than handing that mm-hmm. external um, need for validation or like, am I doing the right thing? It's like, you know, within. So bringing it bringing it back that way. So Oh, Oh, that's so
0: beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely going to take that one on board. That's a beautiful (laughs) way of looking at it. Yeah, I know. There's so many just little tactics, isn't there? In the way that we change our language and the conversation with ourselves and with other people, yes, um, can just have such a powerful impact on on our mind and, and our beliefs.
1: Definitely, and I think it's we're so quick to take on our truth, not the truth, but you know, when we use this internal language. What we say, you know, three or four times then becomes our truth. And that's a really powerful, powerful thing. So we have to be yeah, really mindful of it for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I am going to shift gears a little bit in the context of the world. We're actually still living through a global pandemic, which is crazy to think. But I think, you know, in particular for, for people here in Australia, we were all, Affected some way, shape, or form last year with COVID. I guess for you personally, have your views or opinions about the world changed at all? And I guess ultimately, what did last year teach you?
1: Yeah, it's um, still surreal. I forget that the I just zone it out and then I'm like, oh no, we're living in a different world right now, or a different world. I, I don't say right now because I don't think it's not going to go back to what it was. Yeah, it taught me so much. I think, you know. Seeing that Trump administration leave the orbit last year was, I was just holding my breath that that was going to happen. I was like, I don't know how as a world we can live through a global pandemic and four more years of this. But just to see people's, I think in isolation, what I saw is, and having lived in New York for 10 years and then being back here, in isolation it quickly becomes an echo chamber. So if you know you're not in the office kind of talking with people and, you know, people aren't, reality checking in a way the fear that can come in in whatever form that is whether that's a political thing whether that's any type of fear if you're not if you're just sitting with it yourself and in isolation and we saw that in a physical sense you know during last year it can be a really dangerous place to reside so I think the need for human connection the need for opinions from both sides of the coin and opening, you know, conversations that uh, spark healthy debate, I think, to understand. And even if you look at social media, it becomes an echo chamber of just what you follow. Like my social media feed is the Democrats and it's it's very like, you know, so um, and then I, you know, find myself in conversations with people because we started to connect a different way through COVID. And I just didn't know they thought, a different way because I was so tight in my mm. echo chamber so I think it's I think it taught me the I knew the need for human connection obviously was paramount but I think it just really drove home to me the need to find that in in different ways and and how important that is so yeah.
0: Now how have you brought that need for human connection into the new year and how are you really fostering that this year?
1: You know I brought it into the book because I think and I I I love the art of storytelling, but I specifically love the art of vulnerability in storytelling because I think that is where the human connection, that's where I find human connection. I find that in other people's stories and in my experience when I share my truths other people connect with me and and vice versa. So obviously the book was finished last year, but it's definitely, I'm bringing it into the new year through that book. And then, um, you know, I'm about to, throughout COVID, I started writing a masterclass, which is essentially handing over two decades of branding and business information. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to make sure that wasn't just, you know, a business structure. It's like, Hey, here's the human element of what it takes to do something like this. And that is a a connection of the heart space. So I'm trying to bring that element in, into every touch point that I do. And and it really dialed that up for me last year to, to see how important that is.
0: When you are bringing that heart and soul into your work, especially, you know, with the book and the masterclass, Mm -hmm. do you have any kind of practices or rituals or things that you do prior to that to really get into your inner knowing and your intuition?
1: Not so much rituals. I think, you know, I say writing comes easy to me, but some days it doesn't. But I think they're the days where I have to sit, even if writing be a book or an Instagram post where I'm sharing something, you know, that I want to share, sitting down and just starting, like allowing that flow to start. Like you can sit there and procrastinate it all you want in, in whatever it is. But sitting down and just starting is a ritual to me in itself because I'm very much like unless, you know, that creative, unless I'm 100% knowing what I'm sitting down to do, and I think I approached a lot in my um, career journey that way where I'd have this pinpoint of like that pinpoint down there in the distance, that's the success point. So if I don't hit that mark in the way I want to in the time I want to, then, you know, it's technically a failure because it's outside of that. So I think, you know, kind of surrendering more to me is a type of ritual because it's it's against what I naturally try, you know, try to control everything and hold on to everything. So, you know, just sitting down to create whatever that means to the individual. But I think sitting down and just starting and not expecting it to be X, Y, or Z, but just starting and seeing what what allows. I know that you
0: speak about this a lot in the book, but something I really struggled with last year, I think just the fatigue of being in lockdown and the news and just the world in general, I found just this massive, massive creative block. And if I'm honest, a lot of it's almost transitioned into this year Mm -hmm. how how do you approach those creative blocks because I know you've had a lot of you know creative burnout you speak about in the book so how do you approach those moments or periods of time now
1: it is a luxury to be able to try new things but I think you know creativity is not just you know the arts and crafts or you know the traditional what we think around creativity I think we create everything in our lives we create friendships we create careers and I believe that, you know, and Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this so beautifully, how there's like bubbles of energy and ideas always kind of floating around us. But usually we're, you know, too busy scrolling on Instagram or too busy with the the narrative in our head that we're too busy or we're too, you know, imposter syndrome is talking too loud, that these ideas that are trying to, to reach us don't have any space to land. So, um, you know, finding things in your life that allow you to, for new ideas to drop in, like, you know, when you, you like for me driving, driving on the freeway and like a new idea just arrives. And it's kind of like, cause my mind is active because I am focusing on driving, but I know how to drive. So I don't have to like watch by the millisecond. I, I can do that. So it allows the mind to be active, but to allow new things to reach you. And then I think by honoring those, because to receive a new idea or a creative, you know, ping, I think is like an actual gift from the universe. And it's up to us then what you know you can leave it sit there as an idea or you can follow it and it might be something so ridiculously crazy but if it sparks your curiosity then you know it could take you down a whole other path and then actually lead you back to the thing you're trying to get through the creative block for if that makes sense so you've got to find a way to do that and that's different for everyone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I hope you don't mind me throwing this one in, but you've obviously, you know, mentioned the universe a few times. How do you have your personal connection, I guess, with your higher self or the universe?
1: I envisioned it. So, in the book, I um, actually, so I grew up in a very religious home when I was a, a child, and it never resonated with me. And you know, I kind of talk about the conflict with that, and then you know, finding spirituality as as I find it now. And I kind of think about you know, if the the true self being you know the soul. And, you know, the higher self, if you draw a straight line up from your heart and put it above your head. And I'm like, when those two things, so to me, higher self is, you know, all knowing it's, it's like the clairvoyance you can tap into if, if you can reach it where your true self is. So when, when those two are in alignment, that's like a green light. you like, you know, you feel like you're in purpose, you're, you're in flow state, everything kind of starts to, to feel right. Um, but we start to clog that true self. You think about a dated belief system where you take on, you know, religious beliefs that no longer serve you, but they're from your childhood, so they're kind of ingrained in you in a way. You take on society's expectations. You take on what your family wants you to do, even though it might not be what you want to do. And all these things kind of glob onto us. So it's almost about stripping those back, to get back to what is you know the framework for me is is different to the for the framework that you you know will live by so it's about finding our own framework clearing all those old dated beliefs out and clearing the path between our true self and our higher self and that's where intuition speaks very very clearly so that's that's how i visualize it in my mind
0: Oh, I love that so, so much. And I've, I said to you before we started recording, my um, copy of your book arrived on my doorstep this morning. Yes. So I'm so excited to get into it because, uh, yeah, so much of what you're saying is just so aligned to where I'm at. So thank, thank you, you so much for sharing that. I know we are, um, you know, getting short for time now. So I would love to just finish this conversation by finding out a quote that I guess that you live by or has kind of been a bit of a mantra for you going through your, your life. Mm-hmm.
1: The one that I think I say the most or that I return to the most is the universe only ever has three answers for us. Yes, not right now, or I have something better in store for you. And it's really hard at the time when something doesn't go your way. You're like, you know, this is, you know, you hold on so tight. You're like, no, it wasn't meant to be like this. But then um, if you look at it like a green light, a yellow light and a red light, I'm like, they're the universal traffic lights of yes, not right now, or I have something better in store for you. And I think that's a really beautiful way to approach it.
0: Oh my goodness, I have never heard that and I am absolutely obsessed. That is so cool. It's so funny. I um, My old boss used to always say to me, there's no such thing as a no, it's just a not right now. Yeah, um, and that, that that quote literally just takes things to the next level. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it is such a perfect note to um, finish on. Now, Samantha, please um, tell the listeners where they can get a copy of your brand new book. My
1: brand new book is available where all good books are sold. That's my uh, book voice. <laughs> um. <all laughs> All the links are on my website, um, but yeah, wherever you buy your books, um, uh, online at Audible as well, any books are available. So yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely amazing. I'll put some links for it um, in the show notes. So that's easy for you guys to get a copy of. Um, and where can people find you hanging out or connect with you online?
1: At the moment, Instagram is the best place for that, which is just at Samantha Wills. Um, and we're just about to rela- uh, relaunch our website. So uh, we've got a lot of workshops and masterclasses that will be coming on there and we'll be adding to those throughout the year, samanthewills.com.
0: Oh, amazing. Samantha, thank you so much for your time. I've absolutely loved chatting to you and I wish you all the best um, with the book tour. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For any products mentioned in today's show, please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at the Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.